0: Hi, I'm Anna-Claire Harper, and you're listening to The Return a Property and Investment Podcast, sharing insights and information on key topics from real estate technology to sustainability. Feel free to get in touch or follow recent news by connecting on LinkedIn. Anna-Claire Harper. Hi, and welcome to The Return Property and Investment Podcast. I'm Anna, and in this episode, I'm going to talk through what's happening in the UK property market overall. There's been quite a lot of changes over the last few years. And if you pay any attention to doom and gloom headlines, it could be quite disheartening. Personally, I still think there's huge opportunity in the UK property market, and that it's still one of the best long-term investment types available for many of us. But it's clear that a lot of the market dynamics have changed. Some strategies and approaches that worked before, for example, buy-to-let for an individual landlord who already owns a home, no longer seem so viable. At the same time, exciting new opportunities are coming up, and that's what this episode is all about. There have been some big shifts in what works and what doesn't, and how well things that worked before will work now. The problem for many active and aspiring investors in the UK property market, as well as people working in the industry or running a business, is that it can be quite hard to navigate and refocus in the context of such a lot of change. So it's never been more important to access quality information about the field. As I mentioned in the first episode, one of the big aims for this series is to address these changes and help shed light on new opportunities through discussing insights, information, forward thinking ideas, hot topics, trends and bringing experts on to share their opinions about how you can achieve more in a challenging, fast changing market or avoid issues presented by these changes, as well as sharing real stories and unique perspectives about the realities of investing in a rapidly changing market context. We'll get to discussing more along these lines in future episodes, and I've got some awesome guests and really impressive investors and business owners to share their expertise. But before this, I just wanted to use this episode to give a quick overview of what's actually changed and what's creating headlines, and then what opportunities are coming up. Because there's been so much in terms of politics and policy, economics, market confidence, social and demographic changes, technological changes, legal and regulatory change, and also anticipated changes at a high level. If you're deep into the property market, this is just a recap, but if you're not in it day-to-day, I hope this will be useful context for the rest of the series. In really simple terms, it's worth pointing out that there's two main approaches to property investment that might be relevant for you. Direct property investment and indirect property investment. And the dynamics are changing between these. What I mean by direct property investment is buying buildings and then holding them for rent out or adding value and benefiting from that additional value, either through holding them and renting them for more or selling. This is the idea that kind of typically comes to mind for many people when they think about property investment. For example, buy to let, buying, then renting out, or buying, developing, and adding value to sell. Or even buying commercial properties such as offices or warehouses and leasing them to businesses. So that would be commercial direct property investment. Indirect property investment is putting money into a company or a fund, which then invests in property. For example, shares in a property investment company or via an alternative finance platform crowdfunding, typically for equity in peer-to-peer loans, broadly speaking, for debt. I thought it was worth mentioning that just because what springs to mind when you say property investment isn't the same for everyone. So to address the question of what's changed, we need to first understand what was so good about property investment in the first place. For many years, property investment offered a better return on savings than you would get from other opportunities. As an asset class, property outperformed all other asset classes, including stocks and shares, throughout the 20th century. And it certainly has the potential to deliver better than you can get by holding your funds in a bank savings account. For example, buy-to-let returns were sort of averaged about 7% over the last 20 years much better than you get in your NatWest account. It also offered strong risk-adjusted returns. So this means the reward relative to the risk taken was better. This is partly as a result of the security provided through ownership of tangible assets backed by title rights. So in the UK, our legal system and regulatory frameworks and enforcement, for example, having clear title rights upheld, means that people have strong confidence once they've bought something, it's theirs. For example, you buy a property, you rent it out, and the worst case, something goes wrong, you lose the tenant or there's an incident that affects the property. So it's not producing any income for a while, but you still own the property, which exists, you can touch it. And it has an inherent value. Even in a doomsday scenario, property and the land it's on still have some value. So yes, it's possible to get a higher return from a more exotic asset like cryptocurrencies, but it's highly risky and you risk losing it all. Something goes wrong and your £100,000 investment is suddenly nothing. There's no real asset underlying it. It's also offered a relatively safe, fundamentals-driven store of wealth. There's restricted supply of land and property and growing demand. In the residential space, for example, with housing, thanks to population and demographic changes, such as reducing average household sizes, people staying single for longer, there's just more demand. And house building is slow, meaning there's less new stock being added to supply. As a result, pricing is relatively consistent and rising over the long term due to these underlying forces of demand exceeding supply. Properties also offered the possibility of capital gain and value add to increase asset values with relatively good liquidity and financing options. This means investors can buy, wait for the market to increase prices and then sell, or they can buy and add value, forcing appreciation and then sell. Or they can buy, add value and then capitalise on that value by refinancing. In short, investors have multiple potential exit strategies and they can force appreciation, capitalize on this for example buying a piece of land building 10 houses on it and selling them for a profit property also offers clarity it's relatively easy to understand most of us have some experience for example just living in a house and the demand and supply are driven by clear ongoing market forces that stand the test of time people will always need to live in houses risk returns and costs are also relatively easy to understand and clear relative to other asset classes thanks to industry regulations Property also enables you to have a real impact on the world. It's a vehicle used to create a legacy that you can be proud of, pass on to children, and it enables investors to have an indisputable, tangible impact on the world, people, and places. One of the non-financial rewards and highlights for me of my property investment career so far has been finding out how happy buyers were when they completed on a property that we had developed. And for many investors, there's a real sense of achievement, being able to see the impact of their work and build their empire. Finally, gearing. It's not as it was for individuals, as we'll discuss later in the series, but it's still possible to use leverage in a way to enhance your returns. And this is not possible in many alternative asset types. But as I've mentioned, changes in the market have created challenges for professionals, business owners, and aspiring and active investors, and changed market dynamics around which approaches are viable. The changes range from politics and policy, economics and market confidence, social and demographic trends, technological, legal and regulatory changes, and as I mentioned, anticipated changes. Important policy changes include mortgage interest relief. Now this sounds really boring, but it's really important. It's a fiscal change affecting tax and therefore costs. So to explain, before April 2017, landlords were able to deduct the full cost of mortgage interest payments from their tax bill. And this meant, you know, a lot of buy-to-let investments were very viable. From April 2017 onwards, landlords are no longer able to deduct the full cost of their mortgage interest payments from their tax bill. The available deduction will gradually be reduced until 2020, leaving private landlords with the 20% flat rate relief. The available deduction will gradually be reduced until 2020. Since interest costs will no longer be deducted for tax purposes, many private investors will see their tax bills increase and the profitability of their investments decrease substantially. For example, a private landlord with a rental income of £5,000 per month and mortgage interest costs of £4,000 a month would be left with an after-tax profit of £600, according to the old tax rules, assuming the landlord pays 40% income tax on the net profit of £1,000. Once their changes are fully implemented in 2020, the same landlord would make a loss of £200 per month as the tax bill would rise from £400 to £1,200, exceeding the pre-tax profit. The landlord needs to pay 40% income tax on the gross rental income of £5,000, amounting to £2,000 less £800, resulting from the 20% rebate on the £4,000 mortgage interest paid. Generally... For higher rate taxpayers, buy-to-let investments will become loss-making if their mortgage interest cost is 75% of rental income or more. So the aim behind this policy was broadly to encourage professionalisation in the sector. And basically, it no longer makes sense for many individual buy-to-let investors. So these investors are either scaling up to a scale where it is still efficient and investing through companies where the tax changes haven't been made, or they're getting out and releasing that housing stock to the market which means more stock is available for aspiring homeowners too. So in a way, it's a double political win. The second big policy is the additional property stamp duty. So this is a 3% surcharge on the purchase of any additional home, which came into effect on the 1st of April, 2016. As an example of the impact of this, the stamp duty for a residential property worth, let's say, £275,000 currently stands at 3,750, if it's the only property owned by the buyer. If it's a second home or buy-to-let property, The tax bill goes up to £12,000, which is an increase of 220%. So unsurprisingly, the introduction of the stamp duty surcharge on second homes has had a huge and lasting impact on the buy-to-let sector and the ability of individuals to flip properties as well. This policy was designed to shift the balance in favour of potential homeowners. Again, it's a political goal which has had a big impact on the viability of many types of investment strategy within the property market, in particular for smaller scale investors. It's reduced profitability overnight for many investment opportunities. In fact, these two changes together have affected property businesses of all scales, not just one-man bands, but also huge developers. For example, Barclay Homes recently pointed out that house builders like them would be unable to increase housing supply, specifically because of changes like these, which means they have fewer people interested in buying their end product, making schemes less profitable and less viable overnight. In addition to this, it's harder now for investors, for example, portfolio landlords, to get financing than before. And one of the big triggers for this has been the impact of the Prudential Regulation Authority's policies around lending and underwriting. Each lender needs a separate policy now for portfolio landlords, which means landlords with four or more properties, and this, at the time of its beginning to be implemented, led to months of confusion and cost for many investors. Overall, the process is just now more costly and more complicated for a portfolio landlord, who will be asked for a lot more additional paperwork on everything, including business plans, assets and liability statements and cash flow analysis. Also, when lenders decide whether they can lend to you and how much they can lend, they tend to look at ratio of rent coverage over finance costs. Now, with these new tax changes on mortgage interest relief, it's tougher to meet the lender's affordability metrics because lenders generally have to assess an applicant's tax liabilities when they're deciding how much to lend. Because they can take into account the tax change, this means for the same property and rental income, you can afford to borrow much less. Other fees include the ban on letting agent fees, which is expected to cost £240 million a year for landlords and letting agents in England and Wales in administration fees. All of these changes have made traditionally popular strategies like buy to let for small scale investors much less viable than before. Costs are higher for the equivalent returns and profit is lower. Other regulatory changes range from limiting ground rents, which are the rents that flat owners pay to the owner of the building, to the spreading of HMO licensing rules to include more properties, which means that. Many properties previously run as high yielding multi-lets can now only be rented as single lets. Finally, and crucially, I don't want to mention it, but affecting business and investment strategies at all scales is the political uncertainty relating to the implementation of Brexit. The actual impacts of Brexit are about as clear as our Brexit strategy itself at this stage. And the main and undeniable consequence on the property market is just a general nervousness, uncertainty and reluctance to make any moves at all. This is really affecting sales cycles, which are much slower now. So overall, there's lower, slower demand as owning investment properties and acquiring new ones is so much more costly and complicated. And end buyers are generally more nervous. For many investors, the response has been to stop buying and sell existing stock which means stock is being taken out of the buy-to-let market. So there's been a lot of change, but there's also some amazing opportunities. Within each of the above policy changes, there'll be winners and losers. For example, the point of mortgage interest relief and the stamp duty surcharge was to change the balance so that it became relatively easier for first-time buyers and families to get on the property ladder and that buy-to-let became more professionalised as a sector. These aims in themselves are no bad thing. And for investors, perhaps there is an opportunity in scaling and investing on a more professional level and scale. This is certainly something I'm looking very closely at as a response to these changes. Some other opportunities for potential property investors include going for a high yield. Ways of doing this include short-term accommodation and holiday homes. There's a long-term boom in travel and leisure. So in areas where this is not restricted, such as London, where it's restricted to 90 days per year of short-term accommodation. This can be a great way to boost yields. multi lets. So HMOs are a great way to boost yield as well and counter the impacts of mortgage interest relief. And because changes in HMO licensing mean there are fewer properties that actually are able to be let out as a multi let, supply of this kind of accommodation is falling. So it's a further opportunity. So there's a further opportunity if you do have one or can get your hands on one. Development. So within the development sphere, there's still a lot of opportunity in the permitted development rights space. This is a range of rights designed to unblock the delays caused by the traditional planning system. Also, there's opportunities to focus on what policies are incentivising. For example, if your business or investment strategy can be shifted to benefit from greater contributions required by developers such as affordable housing, great, Um, this is a brilliant time for you. And then also in development, there's new building techniques, for example, modular building or even spray plastering. of this can make building more efficient more effective and much quicker there's a number of opportunities relating to technology for example as an investor you can find out about indirect investment opportunities more easily and get involved almost at the click of a button which is an exciting prospect for many and means that time poor investors can more easily get involved with property investment some investors are responding to the changes in the lettings market by seeking to reduce their costs through using online letting agents or management apps and at the same time Some letting agents who are acquisitive are seeing this as an opportunity to gain their market share, becoming more efficient. And in addition, interest rates are still fairly low. So there's another opportunity in fixing mortgage rates while interest rates are low to increase your certainty and improve your risk-adjusted reward. Finally, there's a huge buying opportunity Now and going forward, negotiating power has increased for buyers as many buy-to-let owners are selling their portfolio and there's less demand as potential buyers are awaiting the fallout from Brexit and nervous about future changes, meaning that for others who are confident, it's a great time to negotiate and buy at a lower pricing level. Overall, property still offers many investors what they want. A safe, simple store of wealth for their own future and the future of their children access to stronger returns on their money and a superior risk reward ratio and the chance to create a real impact and pass on a legacy that they're proud of for their children and on people and places but undeniably property investment is a challenging and rapidly changing space at the moment and it can be quite hard to know how to refocus your efforts if you're already an active investor or professional or where to get started if you're a new potential investor interested in the property market. So the rest of this series aims to open up some of the opportunities that aspiring investors and professionals can benefit from in a way that's relatively easy to understand and access. If you have any questions or feedback, or if there's anything you want to hear specifically, it's The Return Podcast on Facebook, thereturnpodcast.com, the.return.podcast on Instagram. And if you've enjoyed or learned something from this episode or from future episodes, then please do leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. This really helps as they absolutely love reviews. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Return. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as this really helps other people to find the podcast.